Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Well, I have a wonderful guest with me today. His name is Kyle Gillette. Now, Kyle is an ICF certified coach. Now, for those that don't know, ICF stands for International Coaching Federation. He is a certified behavioral analyst. He has a degree in kinesiology, and he is creator of the SAGE Mindset Leadership Framework that helps people in all aspects of life, including relationships with others as well as themselves. Some of Kyle's past experiences have been mentoring men, pet resorts, human resources, um, running a successful personal training business, and all of this culminated in helping people to reach their human potential through the power of mindset. Now, I have a little bit more to say about Kyle yet, but I'm excited about this power of mindset because that is huge. He's also the host of the Sage Mindset Podcast. He's developer of the Sage Journal and owner of the Gillette Solutions, which is a coaching and consulting organization. When, When Kyle is not doing all of this coaching or recording of the podcasts, you can find him hiking, biking, or running. Now, if it's raining, he's in the Pacific Northwest. If it's raining, he might be on the courts playing racquetball with his friends or cross-country skiing with his family. Kyle, I'm, I'm just, I'm tired already just reading all <laughs> of that. <laughs> you have accomplished so much and you do so much. I mean, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. Thank you, Dana. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. What you don't know is that three, no, two and a half weeks ago, I went and summited Shasta with seven other guys. And then last weekend, I went and did an eight mile downhill race. It's one of the biggest races in the Pacific Northwest. It's one leg of a seven leg race out here. So keeping busy, physical goals are important because if I don't have a physical goal, I'm not, I'll just sit around and, and work. So I need that outside motivation. But thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. That is awesome. And I just, I love the way that you're so well-rounded and I'm sure you represent that with your, your clients that you see, you know, when I have people as guests on my podcast, I'm really interested kind of like for them to help me understand and help my listeners understand the twists and turns that got them to be where they are today. And I shared a little bit of that in the intro, but I'm really interested in your version of kind of how you got to be where you are, where you are now. Sure. Yeah. So I did the kinesiology major in college, but at the end of my senior year, I was behind in units by, I think it was like 19 units and it was a quarter system. So 19 units is a horrible amount to be behind by. And so I had to double up a bunch of things and work super hard. And I'm one of those people that I actually studied a a lot and still didn't do that great. Instead of the people that just get it in college, you know, the AP students, they just, that was not me. So I I remember (laughs) sitting at a desk in my apartment and talking to my parents on the phone and sitting there and I had gone on a hike, you know, continue the, the hike trend. And I had got poison oak on myself. So from about my neck down to my ankles, I had poison oak marks all over myself. And so I was really itchy oh. and I was 30 pounds overweight 
behind in school and not sure what I was going to do with myself. So I was really, really lost at that point in my life, in my heart, my head. Everything was very confusing. It was very frustrating. And I felt like a pile of ash, to use your to use your phrase, yeah. burnout and all that. So I was talking on the phone to my parents and I said, well, maybe I'll become a personal trainer, this and that. A few weeks pass and a guy reaches out to me. I'd gone to India with him and a couple of several other people. And he reached out to me and said, oh, there's this opportunity at this nonprofit for someone to be a house leader there. It's a men's mentoring nonprofit. Would you be interested in interviewing? So I'm going, yeah, free room and board. It's a job. It sounds like a good opportunity. So long story short, I interview there. And when I get onto the property, it's this 40 acre property, beautiful, idyllic setting. I went to school in San Luis Obispo. Are you familiar with San Luis Obispo, Dana? No, I'm not. So picture at 70 degrees all the time, green most of the time and no no rain right so just oh wow beautiful right and and so i drive onto this property uh 40 acres and you drive down this this driveway that has bushes on both sides it's just beautiful you go over this this creek this bridge and then on my right is this chain link fence with a bunch of dogs in it and then i keep driving on and way out in front of me is another chain link fencing with a bunch of giant dog houses in it and i'm like okay this is interesting and then behind or to my left is two barns. It's an old dairy ranch. And in front of me is this old farmhouse built in 18, I think it was 1885. Beautiful, idyllic green lawn, American flags, everything you, you can imagine when it comes to idyllic scenes. So I walk up to the front door and welcome in. And I, I do an interview. And at the end of the interview, they ask me if I want the job. And the job entails living with these guys that are off track in life, 18 to 25 years old, and helping them find traction. And you live with them, teach them life skills, work skills, all those types of things. So I said, yes, nine years later, I was still in the program in, in different capacities. I went through different, different roles. But that's kind of the very start of my business career because there was all that mentoring I got to do of the young men. But then I was mentored as well by a, by a gentleman that was a serial entrepreneur, had successfully run, he told me 30 businesses, multimillionaire, and he was the one that started the program and, and kept it going for several years before it finally was self-funded. So there's more to that, wow. more to that story, but uh, that, was, that was kind of the catalyst for me to realizing that my gifting is in coaching and my gifting is in the leadership development side of things. Well, and I want to really compliment you on, it sounds like, you know, you had a willingness to travel. You had a willingness to, I mean, you mentioned being in India and these other places, because I think some people get stuck. They, they feel like they're, they're just in their own town mm. with their same friends doing their same thing. And the idea of kind of expanding out and, and having new experiences is very anxiety provoking for them. Cause it sounds like that's kind of Part of it is just being willing to to go someplace new, face something new, do something new, and and feel like you can you're going to be okay. Yep, I was anxious. <laughs> I'll tell you that much, because <laughs> you know sitting sitting at that desk talking to my parents and and my my place at that moment was the, the way I was physically and the way I was anxiously in that moment was such a perfect representation of my life because covered in poison oak and just a mess, but when you have mentorship and you have guidance and you have a coach that brings you along the way, which is what the mentor or what the president of the program did for me, all of a sudden those things fade away. The anxiety fades because you have a, you have a partner that supports you and helps you and can guide you along the way. And that's what he was able to do with me and for me for nine years. I mean, for nine years, every Tuesday, wow. we'd meet for lunch for an hour and a half and talk about life 
business, the students, all those things. And as I progressed to the various roles, because one of the roles is the house leader where you live with the guys. But the next role I was in was I ran the pet resort that ultimately supported the whole program. So I ran that for three years and then I ran the program for three years. And the whole time he's just mentoring me. So I get a master's in business, but I get a master's in life because this gentleman he knows what's up. And fortunately, I get to see him in a week and a half from now. I'm going to I'm going to go get to see him. I haven't seen him in like eight years. So oh, wow. really cool that I get to do that soon and catch up, grab a probably lunch with him or at least a coffee and hang out. But there's nothing like having a mentor. There's nothing, nothing like having a coach or a guide to, to help you when you're when you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious and needing to stretch yourself. Because when you have that, you can stretch way easier when someone else is alongside you saying you can do it or here, here's some guidance to help you along. Oh my gosh, that is so true. And you had mentioned before you had it in your bio and I brought it up in the beginning about the power of mindset and that's such a huge deal. And I can see how having a mentor and somebody, because when you're traversing these new places and you're possibly willing to you know, expand out, but you don't really know what you're doing. You're full of all this insecurity. You're full of all this confusion. And, you know, it's just, I told somebody one time, because I've been through something similar to what you're describing. It's almost like being a small puzzle where all of your pieces fit together, but it's a small puzzle and you want your puzzle to get bigger. But in order to do that, you have to pull all the pieces apart to allow for new pieces to be added in. Mm -hmm. And that process of pulling those pieces apart is scary and you're not really sure what's going to happen. And so having that mentor is so helpful. And so take us along that and and how that and and the the power of the mindset really kind of helped you on your journey. Yeah. So after that program or after being in that program for nine years in various capacities, I got married in the middle of that, had a couple kids. And then my wife and I decided that we wanted to we needed to move from San Luis Obispo to somewhere else, either to my family, which lived three hours away to the east or north 19 hours to her family. And so we spent I spent about six months thinking about it, praying about it, trying to figure out what's the best place for us to go. If I would have moved to my parents, I would have become an orange farmer. And I had experience in that in the summers and it, it wasn't it wasn't for me. And, and part of it was I had my mindset on the idea that I wanted to have the same impact or better or greater, you could say, in my own life, in, in ministry and in work and whatnot, wherever I go, as I had in that men's mentoring program. And I just didn't see it happening being an orange farmer. I love my dad. He's an amazing man. He's done amazing things and, and all that. But it, And we would, would have worked great. I would have done well. But it wasn't where my mind was set. And so that helped me to get clarity on what to do. It took a while to get there because it was it was kind of this giving up of my parents as it relates to them seeing their grandkids as much and a lot of things. So it was a oh. big deal. But mm-hmm. when I set when I yeah. got that vision dialed in and put my mind to it, we ended up moving. And then it was a dumpster fire again. So the you know I had the dumpster fire at the end of the college and then I moved and in a eight month no 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 in a 10 month time period I applied to 140 jobs literally 140 jobs. Oh my goodness. Got one that was a disaster. It was horrible. It, it tore me physically up because of the stress that it created on my life. It was a, it was a um, senior living facility. It was just an awful experience. And so I quit after six months and I'd never done, I've never quit like that before. I'd quit jobs, of course, because you move and life goes on, but never like that. It was horrible. And then I applied to a bunch of other jobs 
and finally got a job in HR. And that exposed me to personality assessments and that exposed me to the reality of how important people's mindsets are and their attitudes are and how simple it is to help people grab a hold of that. And then if you can keep them accountable, which is why I have that Sage framework, if you can keep them accountable, now that mindset will stick. It will it will stick around and their life will fundamentally change. And that's what really happened to me personally as well. When I, when I got through that phase of working for that senior living place and it just being a complete disaster for my life and my family, I needed to put my mind in a different place. I needed to have a different attitude about what was possible in my life and with my family. And so as I did that, opportunities came and then this huge opportunity of running my own business came and then here I am, right? So for me, choosing this attitude of gratitude, choosing what, how I want to see my life, how I want to see my day and how I want to see my circumstances has been the mindset that has made the biggest difference for me personally. And I could talk about other people's experiences too, but for me, that, that changed everything. And I'm, I'm glad for it. I don't know who introduced me to the world of mindset, but whoever it was, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to say a couple things, like as you're talking, so much is coming into my mind. And I definitely want to get back to that accountability thing. That's, I really want to hear what you have to say about that. But before we do, I want to say, I appreciate your being open and willing to share what it was like in the beginning, because I think sometimes people see us in the end when we kind of have our stuff together and they think they see themselves at the beginning and they don't see how they can get from, how can I be like you? I, I'm nothing like you. And that's why I like it to hear about the beginning. Where did somebody, you know, when they were in the ash and what happened and how did they transform out of that? Because then that can give the rest of us hope that, you know what, we might feel terrible right now. We might feel incompetent and stupid and inconsequential, but there is a way that that person was where I am now and they were able to push through. And I think sometimes, you know, God allows us to go through things that later on we're going to be able to use. We're going to be able to, because that helps us to relate to someone and we can say, you know what, I know exactly how you feel because I remember being in this this kind of situation or that kind of situation. And that's kind of what you're in right now. And so I've been there. I know, I know what it feels like to fill in the blank. You know, because that's that's kind of the path that sometimes God allows us to go through these things and we feel like we're a failure at the time, but then just keep going because yep. you end up using it in the end. Yep. Yeah. And when, when I got into, so the corporate world helped me realize how broken, not every corporation is broken, none of that. I, I don't have that mentality, but that one was, the one that I worked for was, but it helped me to realize how broken leadership is too, because the lady that was the COO and maybe still is of the company, and I'm not going to name the company, of course, but she okay. came in to do an audit on the, um, the facility and we're, we're turning over rooms. So resetting them so new residents could come in and getting contracts out in. And I was the, I think, fifth or sixth executive director, uh, assistant executive director. So I, I was second in charge, I guess you could say, uh, in the facility over the last year, I think it was. And so there was a Whoa. ton of turnover at, at the top within the, the local organization. And so they were always trying to get systems and processes dialed in. And I remember them coming in to audit us. And multiple times she told us that we were stupid and that how could we not figure this out? You're stupid. And they actually locked us in the facility 
and said, you have to stay here and fix all these contracts. And once they're fixed, then you can leave. And so they stayed too, but they locked the doors and said, you can't leave. So I remember leaving that night after 11 p.m. And I was supposed to be done at six, right? So five extra hours, basically trapped in this facility, being called stupid. And I wasn't, it wasn't just me. It was like the team was being called stupid. And the CEO was with her too. And she was making the comment to the CEO as I'm walking out of a resident's uh, apartment. And I'm going, this is, this is not the environment I want to be in. And so I I think it was within a a week or so that I gave notice and I'm I'm out. This is, this is, I don't deserve to be treated this way. And so I'm going to take the risk of not having employment because I don't deserve to be treated this way. And it was worth it, 100% worth it, because then I got into an environment where people actually cared about one another. I worked for a, for a mega church, and so I did HR for 100 employees, and everybody cared about each other. And it mattered what you did and, and what you thought. <laughs> and so that changed everything when, when people actually care about what you think and what you're doing and pay attention to it and recognize the little incremental improvements and acknowledge what you're trying to implement and actually implement it you feel cared about. And so now you can accomplish so much more and, and it, you feel like a human, you know, I'm not, I'm not just a, a project or, or a statistic or, or a, a function in a business. I'm a human in a business and that's helpful. Exactly. <laughs> to be treated that yeah. Way. That's nice to feel human. <laughs> yes. But I think the, the issue in for business owners is they don't treat themselves that way. And often they don't treat their employees that way too, is they, they're, they're an automaton. They're a robot that's just overwhelmed and burning out, you know, Phoenix and flame. They're, they're, they're constantly burning out and feeling exhausted and overwhelmed because they're not treating themselves like a human. And unfortunately, when they do that, they're not honoring the people that they work with or work for or work for them to some degree or another, sometimes more severely than others. But that's the problem. We, we get so focused on the task and not the people. And when we can get back to the people and get our mindset, I like to say mindset versus mindset, because we got to set our mind on the people, set our mind on that versus the task. We're going to life, business, everything else is going to be in such a better place. So mm-hmm. I got on my soapbox, but that was a Well, that's what I want me. you to do is to get on your soapbox. And it sounds like what you're talking about in some kind of sense is priorities, deciding what matters. Yeah what matters and what doesn't matter or some kind of sense of what matters more than something else. Yes. Yeah. One of the, in my book, that's going to be coming out in August, it's called uh, the sage leadership or sage leadership. And it's a four part framework for building a people first leaders. And so the first piece of the self-awareness framework is values, determining your values, because those are those rocks or those roots that nourish your leadership. And if you don't have those, set, it's very difficult to to be able to filter situations and, and filter decisions. But when people have them set and they understand what they are and they define them clearly and have a reason for why excellence, for example, is a value to them, they can stick with it and they, they can put their mind to excellence. They can put their mind to learning, to gratitude, whatever their values are. And we have these within us intrinsically. But often, if we don't label them, if we don't name them, it's a lot more difficult to stick with them. It's a lot more difficult to see that, oh, that's a root for, for this leadership tree, for this fruit that I'm producing in my leadership. If it's, if it's not named, then we miss out on the opportunities for it to help us grow and grow other people. Uh, so mm-hmm. a big piece of that mindset and that, the start of it for self-awareness is what are your values? Determine those. 
And that, that might change, but that's okay. It's it's giving them a name and, and figuring out why that's important to you. That's awesome because if you think about it, as I'm listening to you to listen to you speak, I'm thinking, you know, there's some people that might be motivated by uh, creativity. They want to be creative. They they yep. they want to do something like that. There might be someone else that's motivated monetarily. Maybe yep. they, you know, they want to be able to make as much money as they possibly can make for different reasons. And so, if you have these two individuals, you're going to be able to motivate them. You're going to have to motivate them very differently because the one who's very motivated for money is not really going to respond that well to some kind of motivation regarding creativity. They're not going to care that much and vice versa. (laughs) In the end of the book, I talk about empowerment and there's five habits that sage leaders employ or deploy to empower the people. One of them is the study habit. And what I mean by that is to study their people and to, to know what their people are about. What's their wiring? What, what motivates them? What demotivates them? Who are they really? And when you study your people, it's a lot easier to move things forward, to have better communication, to keep people excited about work and life. You spend Everybody knows this. We spend a third or more of our life at work. So why not, as a leader, do a great job of understanding those people? And helping them understand themselves because often it's so hard for us to understand ourselves and self-awareness is Mm -hmm. something that there's all kinds of studies on it and basically 85 percent of the people out there think they're self-aware but it's only about 10 to 15 to 10 percent right so it's the it's the opposite of what people think (sighs) so most people really aren't truly self-aware and I have a theory as to why, but this is this is the the issue. And if you can be a leader that is self-aware yourself and then studies your people and helps them become more aware of their talents, their gifts, their values, like you said, being creative, or maybe they are money motivated, you know which one, where people sit, then the way that you interact with them adjusts and fits them. They're motivated. There's way better synergy, collaboration, et cetera. So studying people. First of all, it's fascinating. I mean, back in the day when we didn't have stupid phones, people go to the mall and just people watch. I don't know if you remember those days or not, but it was a wonderful thing. I could do that for hours. Yeah. I know. You could just sit and just watch people. Yeah. So <laughs> That was so much fun. So why not study the people that are helping you earn your living and get to know them better and put your mind to that work. You know, that's another mindset is to study your people. That's wonderful. Now you said something that I'm I'm not going to ha- I can't let go. You said you have a theory yeah. about why people aren't more self-aware. Yeah. So I want to know about that and I also want to know how how do we know cuz you apparently people think that we think we're self-aware but we're not really. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like how how does that happen? Yeah, so the first one is people aren't present. People spend so much time worrying about what happened in their business or what happened in that conversation in their relationship with a significant other or a friend or a coworker or boss or whatever. And they're concerned about the past or they're thinking about what could be in their business or what they would like to see happen in a relationship or in their business. And they're focused on the future. And this, you can't be observant, you can't be self-aware if you're focused on the past or focused on the future, or if even you're divided into both. And so we need to be present. There's scripture that talks about who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life. That verse Mm -hmm. is all about time. If you think about it, it's really about time because you can't slow down time, stop time, or pause time, or speed it up. You can't do those things. 
And so worry is all about adjusting time, but time is out of our control. And so the only way to truly be self-aware is you have to be present. And to be present is to be okay with whatever happened in the past, move forward, and to trust that the future is going to work out because you're doing the right things in the present. And you're doing the right things with the right people in the present too, because they're going to help you get there. Nobody, nobody arrives anywhere on their own. Everybody's standing on other people's shoulders or holding hands, you know, metaphorically speaking. Right. So my theory is the problem with self-awareness is people aren't present. And a, a simple thing that I suggest my clients do is close the windows. And the metaphor I use is every time that we're interacting with someone, we're, we're playing a role some sort of a role with that person. And if you think of that like a browser window, that window is open and it takes energy from us to play that role with that person. We need to play that role. It's important. I'm a husband. I'm a father. You know, I'm a boss. I'm all these things. And that's important. But mm -hmm. when I transition from that role, from being a coach with a client to going downstairs and interacting with my kids as a father, I need to close that window, that coach window, right? Close that browser window, open up the father window, and go downstairs and interact in that way. And in order to do that, we need to take five to 30 seconds or 10 to 30 seconds and just breathe, literally breathe on purpose and get present back to who you're going to become now. And I'm not saying we're faking things or being disingenuous. I'm just saying our brain needs time to adjust and become that role again, because I can't be a coach to my wife. I can't be a coach to my kids. It's not the right fit. You know, not that, right. not that type of coach, at least. So close that window, close that browser window, open up the other one, turn the energy off from that old role and go down and to the new role. And lots of people have many, many, many browser windows open. You know, they're, they're playing multiple roles at the same time and this is exhausting and they never give them, give the people the proper attention that they should. And that means it's because they're not present because their energy is being pulled to all these other browser windows. And so they can't give their their best in that present moment to that person. So if you have, if you're doing oh tasks, God, if you're doing tasks, sorry, if you're doing just tasks, it's okay if you have multiple browsers open, who cares? You're doing multiple different things. You're jumping from thing to thing and people believe they can multitask. It's a lie, but go ahead, do it anyway. With people, <laughs> you can't do that. People, you got to shut those browsers. So that's, that's the thought. That's the theory that I have behind why self-awareness is such a struggle for people. Hmm. I just love that. I think there's so many people walking around with multiple browser windows open all the time yes. and they're exhausted yes. and they're never fully with that person yep. because part of their emotional energy is being directed toward these other browser windows that are open in the back of their mind. So they're not fully present. Yep. And so it's, they're not really enjoying the moment. The other person's not enjoying the moment. They're not connecting and they're exhausted. Yep. And this, I think that's an amazing analogy. And this is where accountability comes in because some people might be thinking, well, what about all those other things that I need to be concerned with? Well, you do. You do need to be concerned with those things, but that's why you have systems and processes in place. That's why you delegate to people. And that's why you have accountability in your life to help you to stay on top of what's the most important versus the most urgent, right? We Most people are familiar with the, the whole quadrants, the quadrant one and quadrant two, but we live in that urgent, important, or the distracted quadrant, the distracted way of life. But when you have accountability in place, you've, you can fix that. And for me, when I work with my clients, I, I help them to discover, to learn a system 
for that accountability that just flat out works. You just have to follow it. And most people are partially already following it. So it's a fairly intuitive thing that I have people pursue. But that's that's mm -hmm. fundamental. When it comes to, especially to the mindset work, you have to stay accountable to the mindset work that you're doing. You know, And if you don't have that great accountability in place, it's a lot harder to make the progress that you really want to or need to make. That's exactly right. Um, and because I'm a leader, um, I've always been, you have some people that are just kind of born to leadership and, and also that's also one of the spiritual gifts, you know, leadership, and that's kind of been mine. So I know what it's like to be in a situation where you're being pulled and tugged in different directions by other people and also feeling like you need to do more yourself and trying to mm -hmm. feel like you're just being spread so thinly and it, it can get really, really frustrating and so it sounds like the accountability, and you mentioned like three levels of accountability. Yeah. Share, share with us what those levels are. Sure. So I call it an accountability pass, P-A-S-S. -S. Uh, I'm going to back up one second and talk about SAGE for a moment to kind of frame this a little bit, and then I'll talk about the pass. Gotcha. So I love acronyms. <laughs> they help me. I do too. They help me remember <laughs> things. They help me remember life. It's just, it's super helpful for me. So for the listeners that enjoy mnemonics and, and uh, alliteration and acronyms and stuff, this will be helpful for you. So SAGE is actually an acronym that stands for four things, which is self-awareness, accountability, growth, and empowerment. And I believe those are the four fundamentals mm -hmm. to great leadership, to SAGE leadership. And the description that I give it is a leadership house. Self-awareness is the foundation to your leadership house. If you don't have self-awareness, you can't build much of a leadership house on top of that. Accountability is the nails that holds the leadership together, that holds your leadership house together. If you don't have accountability, no matter how beautiful the architecture is or how well things seem to be put together, without accountability, that's going to crush the people within it. Or as I talk about in my book, the big bad wolf's going to come and blow down your leadership house. So you need that accountability. Growth is the walls and the roof. And it's the idea that at times in our leadership, we need to remodel. Sometimes it's internal and we remodel internally. We adjust a wall here. We move a piece of furniture yeah. there, that kind of thing. But then there's other times where we, we get to expand and our leadership house actually, you know, quote, grows or we put an addition to it, which means we get to have more influence on people. And then the roof, which breaks the analogy, but I still like it. The roof is that leadership <laughs> leadership lid that John Maxwell talks about. We need to we need to raise that lid. And the way you do that is is through accountability, is through self-awareness and empowering other people. And then finally, in the leadership house, empowerment is the windows and doors. So these these are the windows and doors that the people you're currently leading and influencing can look out of. They see out there into the world and they see opportunities for themselves. They see what's possible. Uh, because they've been trained and they've been supported by you and the people that you are also influencing support them. So then at some point they go, oh, well, I want to start my own business. This is what happened to me when I was in HR. I was supported and I was being empowered and I looked out to the green pastures and I went, I want to start my own business. And my boss, she said, yeah, go for it. Just give me a heads up when you're going to go. And that's empowering. And so that's what a sage leader does. But also people see into your leadership. They're able to observe it and they knock on that door and say, hey, can I can I be a part of this? And you welcome, an, welcome them in and empower them to do amazing things under your leadership. And then eventually they may jump out as well. But you want them to because sage leaders do that. So that's the leadership house. It's the way I like to describe it to people. But the accountability piece is it's the heart of it all. 
you even if you're not growing, if you have accountability, it works out. Even if you're not doing that great with empowerment, if you have accountability, it works out because eventually you're going to get those things happening. Self-awareness and accountability go hand in hand in a lot of ways. So with this pass, what I how I describe it is the, the P in pass stands for passive accountability. So Dana, when you think about goals that you have right now, what what is a goal that you have? Are you asking yeah, for, me like for real? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a goal I have, okay, like, as y'all know, my listeners know that I love, love being transparent. So one of my goals right now, I'm actually working with a, a consulting group in Charleston, and one of my goals is to become an international public speaker. Cool. So you want to become an international public speaker. That's your goal. Mm-hmm. Why? Not only would it be a lot of fun, but it would be a, a way to be able to convey information and and I can connect with people. So that they can they can grow and they can get healthier and get stronger and get better and get more confident. There we go. Okay. So your goal is to help people get healthier, stronger, and more confident. That's the goal, right? And you're going to do it through international speaking. That's the method. That's the vehicle to get you there. But your goal is you want happier people, stronger people, and you, you want them to know that they can grow. That's a story, right? So that's a great story to share with people. And when you share that with people, you tell you know, 10, 15, 20 people that you want to become an international speaker so people can grow and they can be more confident, right? That people go, oh, that's really interesting. Well, how are you going to do that? What does that look like? And they're intrigued. If you just tell them you want to become an international speaker, they're like, okay, whatever. It's not that big a deal right. unless they know you really well. But even, even still, they may not care too much. You tell the story mm-hmm. and then they're going to check in on you and say, so what's going on with that, Dana? What's happening with this, with you becoming an international speaker and influencing these people? And then you give them feedback, you you update them. And so that creates this passive accountability. You didn't ask them to keep you accountable. You just told them a story that was meaningful to you, which then was meaningful to them because they care about you. Now, if you tell 30 people, maybe five will follow up, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. But that's the passive part. Active accountability is now that you have these five people that followed up with you, you pull one of them aside and you say, hey, Susie, I would love to talk to you more about this goal that I have. I want to do this. I want to become an international speaker by this time frame, And I'd love for you to help support me in this process. Keep me accountable to the steps I need to take to make it happen. And in return, I'd love to offer accountability to you for whatever goal you have. I want to support you and we'll give honest, real feedback back and forth. That's active accountability. I did that, si- I like that. since I was a sophomore in college. I've had active accountability on a Wednesday or a Tuesday. I think it was either a Wednesday or Tuesday for the last since I was a sophomore in college where I'm meeting with wow. somebody either weekly or every other week, to talk about life, business, work, struggles, whatever, everything and anything. And they keep me accountable Mm -hmm. to the things I'm trying to accomplish. So it's active because I have to act on it with them and they have to act on it with me. But Mm -hmm. I don't want to share the statistics because it'll take too long. But there's some really powerful statistics behind the likelihood of accomplishing goals when you have active accountability. So that's the A. Then the S is structures or structure. What things do you have in place to keep you dialed in, to keep you on top of these things, kind of on the information side of things, the data side of things? So this is stuff like alerts on your phone, the alarm clock next to your bed, uh, the to-do list that you create, a calendar. Maybe it's a contract. I've suggested to many clients to sign a contract and hand it to your accountability partner that says, I will become an international speaker by 2020 or by April, 2023 or whatever 
it would be for you, right? And you hand that to them, and then that's that's that structure that you have in place, and they give you one as well, and you talk about it and keep that locked in place. There's a bunch of other things you can do, but those are structures that help you stay accountable. And then lastly is self. Ultimately, you are responsible, I am responsible for the things that I say I'm going to do. Accountability by definition is doing what you say you're going to do. It's as simple as that, right? So I'm the only one that can really do it. You can't do it for me. I can't do it for you. You can support me and be that check engine light in the car that says, hey, things are breaking down here. (laughs) And then you look at it, you're like, ah, whatever, who cares? But eventually, if you have that active accountability partner and that passive accountability and those to-do list reminders, you go, I better do something about the fact that the check engine oil light is on (laughs) and make a change here. (laughs) But with, with the self part of the pass, there's a, there's a story I want to share with you, and I have, I have a question for you. So I want you to picture a beautiful pond, and in the middle of the pond, there's a bunch of lily pads, and on a log, there's three frogs. They're hanging out, they're chit-chatting, and they're talking about, oh, I'm going to jump on this, this lily pad. So two of the frogs say that they're going to jump onto that lily pad. It's just perfect lily pad. There's some flies off over there, and they're going to they're gonna get them after they get on the lily pad. So you're looking at this, and you're observing, and then you look again 10 seconds later, when you look at it, Dana, how many frogs are on that log after 10 seconds? One. Three. Here's the reason why. There's a difference between deciding to do something and committing to do something. Oh. And that's a mindset. Many, 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 many people have decided to start a business, have decided to adjust things in their marriage, have decided to make friends, have decided to get healthy, but they haven't committed. And so we have to commit. And the other story I like to share is if you've ever gone skydiving, even when you're at the, the jump altitude, you still are only deciding that you're, gonna, you're going to jump. It's when the wind is in your face and you push off the side of the airplane and you're falling is that you're committed. And so when it comes to the things that we want to accomplish, like this international speaker thing, you have to be so committed that it's like you lose gravity and there's no other, you cannot crawl back into that plane. There's no turning back. <laughs> yeah, it's done then the plane's gone <laughs> yeah yeah and and it's over and so we did something like that in my family as of tomorrow my wife quit her nursing job so now it's just my business and her working with me to to grow this thing right so we are committed there's no she already gave notice it's over that was the commitment point there were, that wasn't a decision point we decided probably in february but she committed about three weeks ago and that's what I'm talking about here. There's some sort of that commitment point that you can make where you know there's no turning back. When you write that resignation letter, you can't take it back. I mean, you could, I guess, okay. but it's really done. So whatever that yeah. is for you, Dana, whatever that is for the listeners, figure out what that commitment point is and it'll change everything for you. Because Well, that yeah. is so powerful. Okay, so, and I know our time is, is running up here, but I did want to ask you one last question. And you, because you had mentioned on one of your your questions that you're uh, prepared to answer. And I was thinking about it anyway. So it's kind of like, like mine's, but the imposter syndrome, because I think sometimes we're in free fall, jumped out of the plane, we're in free fall. And we think, Oh my gosh, what, (laughs) what did I just do? I, why did I do that? I'm not, I'm going to crash on the ground below. You know, I can't get back in the plane. What's, you know, I think most leaders at some point or another, the entrepreneurs, especially, because I I include myself in that group, 
there is that jumping point and there's also that can I really do this? You know, I thought I could, but what if I can't? What if I'm not, you know, the whole imposter yeah. thing that almost all of us struggle with. What are your thoughts on yeah. that? Um, if you're not an imposter, you're not doing what you should be doing in your business and growing yourself. So at, at any point, I'm an imposter in various other areas of my life. And if if I stay not feeling like an imposter and feeling like I could fail, feeling, feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm going to splat on the ground here if <laughs> if this shoot doesn't work, then then I'm not taking enough risk. I'm not growing myself enough. And the reason that it's important to grow yourself is because it's good for you. But also when you grow yourself, you're setting an example for everybody around you. So I need to feel like an imposter at times. I need to feel uncomfortable. I did this presentation at a, at a construction company, 13 people in the room, you know, multi, multi-million dollar company. And it was on a topic I'd never spoken on before to them. I, we were doing communication workshops, but this is one I'd never spoken on before. And I spent five, six hours prepping for this thing, practicing. I went to my in-laws house and practiced at their house so nobody would be around. And, and I felt a little bit fake. But I got a text from the CEO of the business yesterday. He said, Tuesday's workshop was fantastic, is what he texted oh, me. Oh, that's wonderful. And so I felt like an imposter throughout the whole process, even partially through. I'm, I was sweating, you know, getting really hot. And I like yeah. had to wipe my brow yeah. once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody noticed. But <laughs> it was beautiful because if I wouldn't have been willing to feel like an imposter, to take that risk, you know, I want people to switch their mindset from feeling like an imposter to it's okay to fail to risk mindset. In my book, I talk about the risk mindset, that we need to have that It's part of the growth process. If we don't take risks, we cannot grow. It does not work. And so if you're feeling like an imposter, good for freaking you. That's awesome. You're in the right place. Now, how do you, how do you overcome it? Well, you continue, you work on it, right? You continue the work in wherever you feel like an imposter, of course, that's the obvious. But to go back to the analogy, if you jump out of an airplane, most people do it tandem. Most people aren't skilled to jump out of an airplane and do it by themselves. Just like most leaders aren't skilled to do it by themselves. So find that partner, whether it's it's somebody that works with you directly, or it's a coach, or it's those accountability people we're talking about. Find those that person or people that can support you and it lets you know that you're either way too far out of your depth and maybe it's way too much of an imposter here and you should maybe back off a bit. Or you know what? You're going to be okay. And you're going to be fine. Fight through it. You may screw up, but it's worth it kind of thing. So I want people to switch from imposter to risk. When you feel like an imposter, that's awesome because you're in a place of risk and risk is where growth happens. But find the accountability to help you so you can get the feedback from what happened as a result of that risk you took, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent. So yeah. that's what my thoughts. I love that. Absolutely love that. So unfortunately, our, our time is up. Kyle, I, I love everything you're saying. I feel like we could talk for a long, long time. But I'm wondering, you know, if you have one last thing, you know, imagining my listeners out there that are going through some of these struggles that you've gone through along the way, struggles I've gone through, they might be in it right now or know someone who's going through those struggles. Yeah. What is one takeaway? If you could just give them one thing that they could remember once they, you know, turn the podcast off and, you know, get in their car or go to work or whatever they're going to do. What's one takeaway that you want them to have? Yeah, whoever came to mind when I was talking about accountability and that accountability partner, that active side of things, whoever that is for you, call them, email them, set up a conversation with them and boldly take the risk, feel like an imposter and boldly have that conversation that says, 
Here are my goals. This is the story behind my goal. Will you help support me in it? What's your story? I want to help support you in it. But whoever that person was that came to mind, reach out to them today. As soon as you turn this off, if you can't call them in the moment, text them and say, hey, I want to talk to you later today. But do it. And trust me, it's worth it. <laughs> it's 100% worth it. So that's, that's yeah, what I would so suggest. so don't be like a frog sitting on the Correct. log. Just jump. Do that it. That text. Don't just talk about doing yep. it. Do the it. The text is the commitment. <laughs> Once you send that text, that's your commitment that says, I'm doing this. I'm going to create some active accountability in my life. Wonderful. Yeah. Hit send. Don't just sit on the log. Hit send. Make something happen. Yeah. That is wonderful. Well, Kyle, thank you so much sure. for your time that you have and your expertise and your your transparency and willing to share some of your struggles with us so that we can feel like, you know, we're all together. We're yes. all we're all in this together. We're all experiencing this together. And that's part of what Phoenix and Flame is about is building this community where we can be honest and we can be transparent so we can reach out to each other and say, you know, hey, let's do this together. We're all the same. We all have the same kind of needs and, and wants and struggles. And let's just reach out to one another and help each other on our journey. So thank you for being here and, and helping us do that. Yeah. Thank you, Dana. And if people want and, to, if they want to know how to do that pass process, I have a PDF that you can, you can post so they can download that and it'll walk them through the four-step process to create that accountability in their life and their business. So I just wanted to share that with your listeners. I wanted to say too, listeners, you can go to sagemindset.com. And that isn't that has all of this because I've, I've gone to your website, Kyle, and it's amazing. You have all of these opportunities to help people and, and depending on where they are on the journey, you know, what level of help they might need. You have a leadership um, assessment that somebody can take. And it's just amazing. So so listeners out there, go to sagemindset.com, find out, plug in. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, resources there that Kyle makes available to you. If you guys have heard anything, and, and I know that you have heard something today that has been helpful, maybe it's helpful to you in, in your life situation right now. Maybe you're thinking of a, of a friend or a family member or a coworker that you're thinking, oh my gosh, they need to hear this. This is exactly what they need to take them to the next level, to pull them out of that pit and to keep them going forward. Share this information. Put the, the link to this podcast episode you know, put it on your, whatever your preferred uh, social media platforms are, send it through, send a, a link through text and a link through email. You can go to phoenixandflame.com. And, you know, if you want to, if you have a comment to make, or if you have an idea of a future podcast that you would like to hear me do, you can communicate with me through that way as well. So I hope you've had a wonderful day. I hope the rest of your day goes well. This is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.